Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tickle Me Comedy Club podcast, episode three. We are here at the Americana Restaurant in Lake Shores, uh, La- uh, Las Vegas. Uh, the show has been is sponsored by the Blue Zone Comedy Tour. Uh, I'm Isaac Israel. We have Dylan Dillagaff, and our guest for tonight is Ty Rivera. Hey, welcome everybody. We're we're glad to be here with Ty. Um, we hope that you enjoy it. We hope that you will turn in tune in every time we do one of these. It's a lot of fun. And we really enjoy it. So let's get started, Isaac. Yeah. So, um, folks, uh, we are in for a treat tonight. Uh, we have the champion from the World Series of Comedy. He's been on Comedy Central, uh, America's Roast, open up for uh, Fluffy and a whole bunch of other uh, celebrity comedians. He's here with us tonight. Let's give it up for Ty Rivera. Hello, everybody. <laughs> So. Cut to it, Bill. All right. I don't have forever. Yeah. I've been here long enough. <laughs> Actually, so um, we have uh, a, a, we had a plan for what topics we're going to talk about today, but um, we have decided to go straight into the meat of the uh, conversation. This past weekend, we had the Dreamland Drive-In um, comedy show Great. that we're shooting for Amazon Prime, Netflix, and uh, our headliner for the evening was Ty Rivera, and he did spectacular, spectacular sets for all three nights, Great Thursday, show. Friday, Saturday night at the Freshwater Studios. And uh, everything went uh, well on the, thir- th- on the Thursday night. People were just coming back and performing for the first time on Thursday night. And then on, the, on Friday night, uh, Ty did a stellar set, and uh, at the end of the set, there was a um, there was a freelance uh, individual that was working for Freshwater. His name is Rick Hermanson. Uh, he, he saw Ty's set, took out his camera, and took two 30-second videos out of context and stuck them on Instagram and uh, indicated that he was offended by Ty's transphobic comments. Um, and a whole bunch of stuff happened that evening. I wasn't even... I was producing, I was doing other stuff, so I wasn't even aware what was happening on Friday, and it wasn't until Saturday, right, Ty, that we were sitting in the green room. No, it was Friday. Uh, what happened was he was working for the production on Thursday. Oh, it was Thursday and night then, that it all um, happened. You guys saw it at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. I saw it right before because he had tagged me personally in it. Okay. So I saw it on Instagram, and then that's when it uh, blew up yeah. after the show. So the yeah, Friday. So, so then Saturday was the the entire day dealing with that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, I think Evan, uh, my partner in the comedy club, and I, we are at uh, some Thai restaurant in Spring Mountain Road, and we noticed that Golden Rainbow, our our partner, our nonprofit partner that was uh, taking care of the bar, was there too. Our like, so we are all having dinner, and then all of our phones started blowing up, and then it was. Um, one of my co-producers, uh, Chris, Chris from Freshwater, um, he had talked to Q Life Magazine, and Q Life Magazine, uh, Garrett had talked to, uh, <laughs> Ty, why did you use quotes for Q Life Magazine? <laughs> because if I, as an individual, get more shares and likes than you, I'm getting more engagement when you're trying to call me out and you're a magazine, you're a media company, there's something wrong. I mean, like, they were getting zero engagement. Like, this is the thing that annoyed me about the whole situation, is it got turned into a really big deal. 
But when it came down to it, it was two cisgender white gay men that were mad about jokes that were supposedly transphobic. There wasn't a single trans person that was upset about that joke. No trans people were at the show that night. We weren't being supported by the gay community that night. So it's like, really, what are you so upset about, white men? I mean, like, I just don't do it with people when it comes to that. And I, I really was a little bit annoyed with you guys for even humoring them because I would have just said, well, show up and protest if you're going to protest. And I guarantee you, nobody would have shown up and protested. So what happened that night, um, like, yeah, on Friday night, I guess. Um, so at the Thai restaurant, so we're talking to Chris. He had talked to Garrett from Q Life. And I think uh, Garrett had contacted Golden Rainbow, who was our nonprofit sponsor for the bar. And they're raising money for their organization. And he and Garrett also spoke to the LGBT Center and told them what was happening. And the head of the LGBT Center, John, was really concerned about what was going on. And so basically, like, you know, Golden Rainbow and Freshwater were saying, hey, you know, it's, um, you know, you could do whatever you want with your comedian, Phil. I mean, and, you know, you could do whatever you want. And, um, but our companies are going to say that you're doing whatever you want and, you know, you, we, you just are a client of ours. So they're trying to take hands off and they were strongly suggesting that there's a possibility that, you know, the gay community or the gay press could boycott Thai, could boycott the comedy club, could boycott Golden Rainbow, our partner, and could boycott Freshwater if Ty performed on Saturday night. So then I called Ty on Saturday, or on Friday night, and then we were talking on Saturday as well, and I told Ty what was happening, and Ty was upset, I mean, understandably so, because... I was just annoyed because you guys were humoring. That's the main thing that was getting on my nerves, because I didn't understand why they were being humored. This media company had absolutely zero power, no trans person was upset about it, and the LGBT Center, um, like we had a chat with them and I really do respect the LGBT Center but at the same time they were so concerned about this show but not a single person from them showed up at the, even at the Saturday show so if you really care that much then why don't you show up and see what it is I'm doing and then tell me that when people are saying things online and when I say two people when I say people I mean the two people that were upset I'm saying things like I need to educate myself and I share with them podcast clips of me talking to different trans friends of mine because it's not like I have no no relationship with the trans community at all or trans people in general. I've been hanging out with trans people since I was 17 years old. My entire adult life, trans women have really kind of shaped me when it comes to my experience in the LGBT community. I'm probably closer to the trans community than I am to gay men. So when I have these people that have absolutely no education and what they're talking about telling me to educate myself and I send them podcast clips and I'm like here listen to these podcast episodes and listen to me actually talk to trans people let them share their stories with my audience the people that listen to my podcast unbothered by Ty Rivera available on iTunes um, <laughs> 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 
it's the people that listen to my podcast that are usually straight people, straight people from redneck areas. So if that's not helping out the trans community by letting these people tell their actual stories in their own words, I mean, like if you were to go through my podcast, like the old episodes, you would find that I probably have more trans representation than any other podcast. That's just what it is. No other comedian is covering trans people the way that I do. And that's just because that's who my friends have been. So when I see my friends, I'm like, hey, you want to do my podcast? And then we start talking just, you know, because I feel like that's a good way for me to set people up so that they can tell their stories and then people get more of a human idea instead of just seeing trans people on TV, which there is a lot of terrible representation. Like right now, there's a show out on Netflix called Disclosure. It's a, it's a documentary. Okay. And they're talking to dif different trans people. And they're talking about the misrepresentation of trans people within the media and different movies. And, uh, you know, and this way, when, when people do the podcast and I'm talking to them as friends, then the audience that's listening to the podcast gets to be like, oh, okay, these are actual people. These are their stories. And uh, some of my friends are female to male trans. Some of my friends are male to female. Some of them, uh, they're all going through different stages. Some of them are newer to being out and being trans. Some of them even let me know things that I hadn't known before. Like I have a friend named Melissa J. It's probably one of my favorite episodes because she describes herself as being transgender, but says that as far as her process goes, she's still a cross-dresser or a transvestite. Because even though her, um, her pronouns and stuff like that are feminine and she mm -hmm. identifies as a woman, she has no interest in really modifying her body, getting breast implants, going on hormones, anything mm -hmm. like that. So she considers herself a cross-dresser. This is the way she identifies. Now, mm -hmm. the way I had always been taught was that cross-dressers and transvestites were usually exclusively using male pronouns and usually just men that like mm -hmm. to dress as women. Mm -hmm. Well, Melissa J, when she told me that, it was like that was something that I didn't even know. So people have a lot of opportunities to learn from hearing that. And if people are gonna tell me I need to be educated and I send you those three podcast clips, but you're like, no, I've heard everything I need to hear off of two 30 second clips, then it's like, you're not really fit to do what you're claiming you wanna do. Like, if you're gonna educate me, I'm fine with you educating me, but why don't you do a little bit of research and customize the curriculum? Mm -hmm. You're here. That's right, that's yep. right. Um, so what happened was, on Saturday, uh, it got tense because, you know, basically from a business, you know, as a comedian, yeah, I believe I should be able to say whatever he wants and do his shows, right? As a business owner, I was trying to, uh, you know, I was trying to uh, listen to what the press was, the LGBT press and, and the the center and everyone else was telling me and saying hey we strongly suggest you don't have him perform I told Ty that Ty said well you know if you're gonna get media backlash from them you could get media backlash from you know my side of it as well and so after several hours we came up with a compromise Ty would do his set on Saturday night which is like the main night of the filming and he would not say the quote-unquote transphobic joke what was the joke by the way Ty there's two of them that they singled yeah. out. And, but like, it's not really fair because the way that they edited the clips and you can tell that he, like, cause we yeah, can all really edit edited, on our yeah, phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, he just edited, edited the punchlines, which the punchlines do sound inflammatory, but if you hear the rest of it, um, the joke that he took was one where I'm telling the audience that, um, or I'm telling like 
imaginary trans people in the audience or whatever addressing the trans community and saying that you can't get mad at people for not knowing how you identify before you tell them how you identify and then i say if you're going to call yourself a woman at least look like you've seen one at some point in your life which gets a huge reaction everywhere i go uh and you know i've even done the joke in front of trans people and usually they get it too because like i'm old school gay in that way and like i said the trans people i met like in the LGBT community and now like uh, general society has adopted the term reading but that's actually an old-school trans term like you know to read somebody is basically mm -hmm. to um, give them their news or like uh, tell them about themselves mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like insult them you know mm -hmm. and so I come from like a time when the queens, which is the way that we used to refer to the trans women, the queens used to read each other. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, when they would read the younger queens, the newer girls coming up, that's the stuff that they would read them about. They would read them about getting their look in check. Because, you know, obviously at that time you wanted to be passable for society, so mm -hmm. you got as little flack as possible. You were always going to get some, and a lot mm -hmm. of times it was from... Uh, cisgender women, you know, or biological females, however you want to put it. Um, but that's where you, the flack would come from because, you know, a lot of my friends especially were really beautiful trans women. And so, like, if you know the way cisgender women or women work, uh, a lot of times when a woman sees another really beautiful woman walk in the room, right away she starts trying to find the flaw. And so... Uh, you know, when they would look at the trans women, they'd be like, yeah, struck by her immediately because of how beautiful she was. But then they start really examining and then they're like, oh, looks like she has big hands. Looks like she has big feet, you know, mm -hmm. and then that's when they would end up clocking their tea, which is what they used to call it, which now I think is what substitutes or the word misgendered is what substitutes for that but back then we used to say clocking their tea you know mm -hmm. and that's figuring out that somebody mm -hmm. is not the gender that they present as or wasn't born as the gender that they present as so um you know like that's part of where that comes from it also comes from a misunderstanding that had happened online um where a person that identified as trans got mad at me and started telling me uh, like, you know, some stuff about plastic surgery and like basically reading me. And then that's when I told them, if you're gonna call yourself a woman, at least look like you've seen one at some point in your life. So then I adapted that from the real life story to stage. So that's where that actually comes from, you know? And like the way I was raised is if somebody reads you, you read them back and the gloves mm -hmm. are off. So if you're gonna read me about plastic surgery, I have no problem with that at all. But don't turn around and say it's transphobic once I read you for not looking like a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, at that point, the gloves are off, we're both just reading and that's what it is. Yep. But that's what some of these people do. Like the people that want to present themselves as victims, what they'll do is they'll screenshot something like that or they'll start telling everybody you said that and then they'll leave out the part that they actually said. And when it comes to the part of me saying that, you know, um, until you tell us how you identify, that to me is more helpful because... Um, there's a lot of people out there that are perfectly willing to respect trans people and respect their identity or how they identify. But sometimes you don't know, and especially with so many different variations within the LGBT community now, people don't know how to address people. Yeah. So if you were to at least be a little bit human and be like, okay, this is the way I identify. This is the way you would respect me. And you find a way conversationally to do that, to educate these people, at least about you, mm -hmm. then it would make it a lot easier. You know, that would be super helpful. 
brother trans people. The other joke I did um, that they singled out was when I say that we all can agree a butterfly is a beautiful thing, but if you were to open, the, open up the cocoon halfway through and throw it out on the fucking street, you might be like, that's a mess right there. You might not even know it's a butterfly. So what I'm getting at is trans people stay at home until you're pretty. And that joke kills it everywhere. <laughs> It really does just, like, you know, and so it's like, you know, but again, it's, it's, like me, it's me reading. Yeah, it's just me reading the overly sensitive people, you know, and so, um, you know, and, and adding some levity. And then because I talk about these things on stage, what people don't realize is a lot of times I perform for rednecks. So when people think that it's, uh, you know, like this is dangerous to the trans community that I say these things, no, I open up the conversation and I think people would be surprised because sometimes I'll perform in smaller rooms. And so people would be surprised to know about the number of people that approach me afterwards. And then they'll ask me, you know, stuff like, what is it with the trans community? And then that's when I get to really educate them and tell them the stories I say on stage about having trans friends are 100% true. And then I can give them a little bit of one-on-one -on -one education in a respectful way without yelling them at them without calling them stupid they can ask me any question they want to there are people that have asked me the difference between um, transvestite and transgender that's one thing people have asked me the difference between transgender and um, drag queen that's another one which people didn't know the difference you know I've seen people think that they were flattering trans people by telling them Shantae you stay which is a line from RuPaul's Drag Race that RuPaul says to the drag queens when they graduate to the next episode, you know, or when they move to the next mm -hmm. episode. And, like, you know, in a drag queen sense, that would be very flattering. Mm -hmm. But if you say that to a trans woman, you're basically telling her that you think she's a good drag queen, and that right there is offensive. So, you know, it's like, it's trying to educate people and still make them laugh at the same time, which people don't get. That's my main job is to make people laugh. Like everything else is secondary, but really, if I want to get paid, if I want to be able to work, then I have to make people laugh. Yeah. So trying to balance the two is, is where people aren't being very understanding of me. Yeah, it's a tall order, and a lot of people don't understand that. And so, so what happened was, so we, we made the compromise. Um, Ty talked to Golden Rainbow, Ty talked to us. He would do his set, he wouldn't include those jokes. What happened that evening at the at the end of the evening when when Ty was headlining? So I'm I'm sitting in the audience. I'd done my set, and I went to sit with my friends at one of the picnic tables, which was about two rows back. And uh, during during Ty's set, there were four guys sitting at a table in front of me, and one by one they each got up, and as they walked by, they go, "Oh, that's disgusting." Oh. I think they're from the, a drag show. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it was. So mm -hmm. I I don't think that they were offended. I, they, they didn't look to be offended. They, they just, I don't want to hear this kind of an attitude. Well, I saw those four guys walk in and they, they looked me up and down as soon as they walked in. And I knew one of them is a performer too, not a stand-up comedian. And I'm not going to out him or what show he works on, but he's a performer. So I already knew who he was. And technically I've seen his show and I enjoyed his show. And that doesn't change because you don't like what I do or whatever. You know, I enjoyed his show. And so, like, when they walked in, 
they right away had that attitude with me. But what they didn't realize is I've been doing this for a long time. So if you notice, I didn't start the way I started the other nights. No. I started completely different and I worked the audience into a frenzy. So at that point, I'm basically weaponizing my audience because I know I'm gonna have to completely disable these four that think their opinions matter more than anybody else. So I got the audience to the point where everybody's honking, everybody's going crazy, and then I started doing LGBT jokes and then those people realized how little their opinions matter what when they run up against the wrong fucking bitch. What which was, is what happened. What was interesting to me is... <laughs> That's what happened that night. I didn't... See, see I didn't know that those, that those guys were, were involved in, in performing. I just thought they were regular regular guys that just... Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say regular guys, just regular audience members yeah. and that they were offended. And then I got to thinking, why do we do comedy? We do comedy to make people laugh. Mm -hmm. And you cannot, you cannot play to the exceptions. So if one person is offended by what you say, dude... You came to a comedy show. What do you think you're going to get? I mean, everything isn't going to be tailored to what you think is funny. And that's exactly what it is. And the way they put it is even like when they when they try to call me out on it, uh, the way they put it is a, a lot. They try to make it seem like in my intention or what could possibly happen is a lot more sinister, yeah. you know, because they're always like, um, well, there could be a trans person out there that's thinking about killing themselves. And then they go to your show and I'm like, OK, well, if they're suicidal, one, I don't know why they came out to my show. <laughs> like, <laughs> and if you kill yourself because you hear a joke, you didn't kill yourself because you heard the joke. You know, similarly, I do. I'm disabled. So I do a lot of disabled jokes. Mm -hmm. And I don't even I don't even pay attention to the audience if there's other disabled people because yeah. it really doesn't matter. I'm talking about me, my life, and and if you want to relate to that and find something funny in what I said, then fine. But if you if you get offended because you have a disability and I said something that offended you, well then you shouldn't have come to the comedy club. Well, yeah, I mean, like, and if you listen to my set, I do jokes about white people, I do jokes about black people, I do jokes about the fact that I'm Latino, I do jokes about the fact that I'm gay, I do jokes about plastic surgery, I do jokes about uh, trans people, I do jokes about everybody. But but when you when you're done, you're not you don't make fun of anybody. You always have. There's always a lesson to be learned or some educational. Well, and that's what it is, you know, I mean, and most people get that. But there's this one segment of a segment of society, because to tell you the truth, trans people in general aren't as sensitive as everybody makes them seem. They're constantly having this narrative thrust upon them that they're so they're so fragile and they can't hear anything that's different from what they live or what their experience is. And that's I, not true. It's probably just the minority that has the most outspoken. It's a and very so small people, minority. Right? Yeah, it's this very small minority. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? And like there's another trick they pull, which a lot of people don't know. A lot of times when they're doing these like cancel things, like, you know, these campaigns to cancel people and to get people pulled off shows what they do is one person will make like 10 emails and then another person already has 10 emails because they're very used to doing this because a lot of these people run around being victims on the internet all day long so what they do is it'll be like say three people that have a problem but those three people each have 10 emails, so that's 30 emails that a venue ends up getting, and they're different variations of the same if you have this person on. And so the club thinks they're getting flooded with all these people, and in a lot of cases, these people aren't even from that region. So they're not, they couldn't possibly show up if they wanted to. And so 
Have you had a similar experience? In, in oh, yeah. But it's always LGBT people, which is one thing that bothers me, or people that claim to be LGBT or claim to represent the community. That's who it's been. And it's been two or three times now. One time they tried to get me pulled off a comedy festival in LA, which LA is the wrong place to try to get me pulled off an LGBT comedy festival because if you want to know the truth about my history with the Los Angeles comedy scene, when I first came on the scene there, there were zero zero gay comedians that were working the regular circuit there. All the gay comedians only worked in the gay shows. And because I had stage fright and I needed to work on that, I couldn't worry about the fact that I was gay and I had to do every show I could possibly do. So I really broke down that barrier. And then when other LGBT comedians started coming on the scene, I was very welcoming of them because I'm not a person who feels threatened even a little bit. Like when another LGBT uh, comedian shows up, I don't feel even a little bit like, oh, this person could possibly take my place or, you know, nobody's going to be me. So I'm fine with them. I'm very welcoming of them. I try to make them feel at home because I remember when I first started, it was easy in 2003, it was easy for people to be homophobic with me. They were openly homophobic with me. That was not a secret at all. Like people, a lot of people witnessed it, but some of those people have since turned into my best friends. Absolutely. So, and, and it's because I didn't have the option of writing blogs. In 2003, nobody was paying attention to blogs and stuff like that, you know, so I didn't really have the option. So what I had to do was, what I would do was similar to what I did with that joke, you know, the one that I mentioned. I would take the things that people would say to insult me, and I would be like, how am I going to address this? on stage, how would I translate this to stage? And that's where a lot of my first material came from. And it really resonated with people because the things that people would say to insult me were the same things that a lot of audience members already had in their heads. So the fact that they felt like not only was I reading their mind, I was also answering the questions, just made them feel like I was so great. And so I, they tried to boycott me from the show, and that one I told the producer, because he tried to cancel me the day before, and I was like, well, you're still gonna have to pay me um, for that show, and if they don't wanna see me there, then I'm still gonna be there because I have to pick up my money. I'm not gonna trust you to pay me on another date. So I'm gonna show up, and if there's protesters, they're gonna see me go in, they're gonna be mad about that, then they're gonna see me come out and I'm gonna show them my check and that you still had to pay me. And they're gonna know that even though I didn't perform, I still got paid. So really, did you really hurt me by me not having to work and still picking up this check? And he was like, all right, well, I'll call you back in a few minutes. And then they decided to have me on the show. No protesters showed up at all. Instead, um, the councilman for that area, Mitch O'Farrell, showed up and presented me with an award from the city. And so I put that on Instagram. I showed up, I put that on Instagram and I put, put it with the words, you bitches are gonna fuck around and get me the key to the city if you're not careful. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Story. Yeah. Story. I haven't what city was that? Was it, what city? That was in West, well, technically it was uh, Silver Lake. It was okay. at a place called the El Cid is where they had it. And that was the, um, I think it was called the Los Angeles LGBT Comedy Festival or something, or the uh, Los Angeles Pride Comedy Festival. Yeah, that's what it was. And yeah, and uh, I killed that set because that's another thing. I'm so used to people hating me because like I said, people were so homophobic when I first started that I'm so used to people hating me. I'm so used to hostility that if you put me in that position, I'm so comfortable there, but I also know that I absolutely have to kill it. There's no having a so-so set when everybody hates you. 
You've got to turn it into everybody loving you. And I'm used to that pressure. Well, I think you accomplished that on Saturday night. Yeah, that um, was... That, you know, coming from an older, excuse me, older straight white guy, I, I thought it was very inspiring. I mean, you, there is some definite passion, and you can tell that those are not made-up stories and not made-up stuff that you're talking about. And that, to me, that was very inspiring. I, I have not been in comedy near as long as you have, and so I, I don't really have, have my whole niche worked out yet, but that was very inspiring. So, so what I got out of it was whatever you do, grab onto it and go for a ride. Yeah, well, you can't let them scare you, especially if you know where your heart is and you know you're not trying to say anything wrong. You know, like if it, like we had the meeting with the LGBT Center yesterday, was it? Yeah. Um, we had the meeting with the LGBT Center, and if I knew I was saying something wrong or if I knew I was coming from a malicious place, I wouldn't be open to showing up for that. I wouldn't be open to chatting with as many people. I've gained fans from this whole situation. You know, people have hit me up and asked me questions and some of them had started off being like, you know, kind of aggressive, like thinking that they were gonna hate me. And then when I lay it out for them and I talk to them, you know, then they'll, some of them stay mad. But I've also found that a lot of these people, it's not about LGBT. It's not about trans people. It's about anger they have inside of themselves and this just happens to be an, an avenue and I just happen to be a person to put that on. So their anger comes from probably a misconception because they haven't taken the time to really understand mm-hmm. where you are, what you come from, what your experiences are. Yeah, so I, 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 I mean, I'm inspired. I, when I first started, again, I haven't been doing comedy that long. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I, 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 I was really conscious of saying something that could be offensive. So I'd stay away from those subjects of disabilities, things like that. But now in the last couple of years, I don't care. Yeah. You know, my, my new philosophy is if you can't laugh at yourself, laugh at everyone else. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of, but not in a hurtful way. Mm-hmm. You know, everything I say, just as you, everything I say, there's a, a hidden lesson somewhere in there that I'm hoping to, to be able to express. Can I tell you the story about this? Uh, we were doing open mic one night and the MC was a female or she appeared to be a female. And um, Isaac will remember this story. And so uh, I thought she was incredibly attractive. And so during the evening, I happened to be sitting there and she came over and I got to talking to her and she said that she was uh, gender neutral. Mm -hmm. And I'd never heard that term before. I'm an old white guy, I don't know these things. Yeah. And so so I thought, that's very intriguing, very interesting. So uh, I said, well, what does a gender neutral person do? She, She, the person said that I have some male traits and I have some female traits. And at different times, I use those different traits for whatever I'm doing. So I thought, what a great opportunity. Would you like to go out with me? And she said, sure. So we went out and I got to tell you, that was the best night of sex I ever had. She was awesome. And then the guy part, I didn't have to talk afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my gender neutral. But I did, I did learn a lot from her. She was very, very interesting. And it's a whole new world for me because I have not been exposed to that world. So technically, like her, her, um, she was female. Okay, uh, that's. Uh, but she, she, she expressed herself as as gender neutral. Yeah, no, and that's what I was saying about people having to tell people how they identify because you would never know that. And to refer to her or refer to them because a lot of times general gender neutral people. Um, like to be referred to as they and them. Those are a lot of times their pronouns, you know? And so um, if you don't know that, you may innocently say her or she, 
and then if they get mad at you, then not only did you not learn from them, but yeah. they're stuck with this feeling like you just disrespected them, and you're like, well, I if you, you had just told know. me, I would have referred to you as they and them. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. Yeah. So, so it was kind of a, a transformation for me because five years ago, I, I would have never, you know, I, I was married, had a nice long life, and all that kind of stuff, and then I'm I'm thrust out into this new world, and it's a great learning experience, and so I, I go. With everything I do, I try to do it in open-minded and meeting all kinds of new people, especially in the comedy world. There's all kinds of interesting characters. And so you gotta, you got to maintain objectivity and, and, and you can learn something from everybody, as I did from your set. I'd, never, I'd seen you once several years ago and, and I, I didn't quite get the same impression as I did last time because I didn't listen as well. Mm-hmm. But I did see it as a learning experience and I, I, I was gr- grateful for it. It was awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, like, even with the people that are, like, mad at me or whatever, the truth is I'm not mad at them. Even that guy Garrett that runs Q Life Media, but I will keep rubbing in that that's not a media company. Uh, it's just not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just what it is, you know, girl, we got to be honest while we're all saying what we're saying. They have 40,000 likes on Facebook. 40,000 likes, zero engagement, so what does that tell you? You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if 40,000 people like you. If they ain't talking to you, do they count? They can't like you that much. Anybody can click like, you know, especially once you see LGBT involved. Most people will be like, yeah, I like that. I'm cool with that. Or, you know, a lot of a certain audience. But, um, but yeah, I'm not even mad at them. I wouldn't mind chatting with them just so they can get a better understanding. But I don't think from the interactions I had, like I said, I don't think either of them are looking for productive conversation. And technically, I think that they're both, both of those people, because the other one is starting up his own uh, like event coordinating company or something like that. And I think that both of them were just looking for internet clicks, and they thought that this was going to be like an easy one. Anything for clicks, right? Yeah. So, so let me give you some more. They're right, though. <laughs> they got dragged. So, so let me give you so. some more feedback. So after every show, I always try to be at the at the exit when people are leaving. Mm-hmm. So on Saturday night, I, I position myself at the exit, and I say goodbye to everybody and thank them for coming. Mm-hmm. And several people highlighted your, your set as the best. And thank I thought, you. well, that's really cool. He should know that. So I, I thought, because, you know, the, people come by and they'll say, oh, that was a great show. You did good. Or or I thought this person was the best. And, and so just a little bit of feedback. To, to I appreciate that. Yeah, I um, knew that I had lied to Phil and Golden Rainbow because I had told them both that I wasn't going to do those jokes that night. So I was like, there's no reason him. for me to stick around. <laughs> and he did them. He did them. <laughs> yeah, he did them. No. Not only did Ty do them, he did them in a more emboldened way. <laughs> like he yeah. did it. He did it. In a, like he warned the people that he was going to do it. And. Yeah. Like, and like he just, like you said, he rallied the crowd, you, you know, used that as a weapon and just like, you know, as a owner of a comedy club, like you, how do you get mad at that? And, you know, it's like, yeah. well, how you, you can't, you can't get mad at it because like if he did it and like if you did it and you weren't funny, <laughs> yeah. like if you, if you weren't funny and you were just ranting and stuff. I mean, I would have pulled your mic. Oh, Honestly, yeah. I would have pulled your mic. Of course. But because the crowd, you got the crowd behind you and everyone is laughing. Some people like got out of their car, gave you a standing ovation after your show. Like, because of that, like, who can pull the mic? No one can pull the mic. No one can. I mean, no one was going to pull it. So I thought it was pretty cool that, I'll, so like, let's, let's do a contrast and comparison between Friday night and Saturday night. Friday night, there were a lot of people that had never seen you before. Mm-hmm. And so there was a little bit of a shock factor. 
So I think the way that you compensated for that on Saturday night saying, well, they told me not to do these jokes, but I'm going to do them anyway, sort of set that set the, set the tone for the audience that they were going to get some something that that I don't know how I'm trying to say it, but you kind of set them up to let them know that something, something cool is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, Friday night, part of it was, like I said, right before the show Friday night was when I saw that message or the, the, the post. Mm -hmm. You know, so like when I got on stage Friday night, I was actually angry because this was like, you know, and it was like it was also just being annoyed because, like I said, this has happened before. So there was a part of me that just felt like, here we go again. I'm going to have to deal with this. And so like um, and what what people don't understand about Thursday was Thursday wasn't even presented in the way that I would usually present it. It was all out of order. Um, not that I have the same order every time I go up, but it was all out of order, um, even for like my regular, you know, disorganization that I do on stage, um, because I hadn't been doing long sets, you know, a 20 minute set or an hour set. I haven't done those for three months now, you know, so I'm in my head and I'm not a person who writes set lists. I know some people do, and I don't have anything against that, but I'm just more free form. So when I was on stage, I was trying to remember which jokes I was going to do and how the jokes go, and I was trying to figure out an order. And so that's what the person saw on Thursday. So they didn't even get a fair representation of what I did. You know, instead, they went off of what to me was kind of like a dress rehearsal, which is nothing against anybody. I wasn't being disrespectful, but I was just trying to get my legs back, you know? Mm -hmm. All of us were. It was, yeah. a, it was an incredible experience. All of us comedians, we've been, in essence, out of work for the last 90 120 days well, yeah. and I mean you can only stand in front of the mirror or sit in front of the mirror for so long and you don't know how if you've lost your edge and so yeah, I, I agree with you Thursday yeah, and night I was haven't a been doing night. like underground open mics or any kind of shows you know what I mean like I don't even think any of the cities that I like hang out in you know which is Phoenix and here um, even have those kinds of shows I've heard about like New York having those but we don't even have underground that we can go to and practice things you know so it was a solid three months that I just haven't been performing I, I did a couple of virtual online shows. I did one, one did, did, I'd never done one before and so what did you think of it I just did the one just to say that I did it because this is a very particular point in history so mm -hmm. it was just like you know but I didn't like it yeah. Yeah, I, I, my issue was, well, there was good things and bad things. So the good things were that I had my set list right under the camera mm -hmm. so I could stay on track with what I wanted to do. But the, the downside to that was you're not really, you, you kind of, you weren't getting really good feedback to, to know. And so you just kind of, it was like standing in front of a mirror, basically, because you weren't really getting feedback. Did you get that same experience? Yeah, 100%, especially because I work off of that in a lot of cases. I really look at audience members' faces when I'm performing. Yeah. Um, also to know, because, you know, I'm not worried about people getting offended or that kind of thing, but sometimes I'll notice by a shift, yeah. like in the, in the way that they're sitting or what they do, like their body language, when I can tell that they're just done with the subject. Or they're looking... Yeah, and it's not about them being offended or anything. No, it's just, just like, bored. you know, yeah, we've heard, okay, we get it, you know. And so then, like, because I'm conscious and in the room, then I'll switch up and be like, okay, what are we going to do next, you know. But when you're online, you don't, you can't really do that. I offered to auction off my dog at a point uh, during my set online. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a mess. 
I have I have three cats and they're really tired of hearing my stuff. <laughs> they go curl up in the corner. Mm -hmm. um, to get back uh, to get back to where it was, uh, you know, in the serious topic of transgender, I want to bring up, you know, there are these conservative talk show people, conservative speakers that say, in public, um, in public, they want to address transgender people by the uh, by the pronoun of the gender that they were born with. Hmm. Okay, and 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 like face to face. They'll be like, hey, you know, I, you know, they'll they'll use the proper pronoun, right? But like in public, they're like, biologically a, a woman, that's a she. Biologically a man, that's a he. I'm not using any other pronouns. What do you think of that? That's always weird to me because I don't know why people have such trouble respecting other people in that way. Like for me, I, I well, think they take it they take it to the next level. But Ty, they say like, okay, what if you want to be recognized as a horse? So I got to call you like horse or whatever, you know? Well, that's you know? where some yeah. people have taken it too far, you know? Because I address that on stage where I do the joke about other kin. That's what that community is called in a lot of cases, and those are people that um, will identify as things like. Like squirrels, unicorns. There's one person that identifies as a deer that's currently working for Twitch, I yeah. think, uh, and she identifies as trans, so she's a female deer, a doe. There, there was a, <laughs> a well, that's what she would be, right? <laughs> a couple See, this is why I get in trouble, because I just yeah. have a stupid sense of humor and I say dumb things all the time. So a couple years ago, there was a gentleman or whatever, he identified as a hippo. Do you remember that? No, I don't. I remember the guy that was changing himself into a tiger. You know, there was that guy. Yeah, he like had the surgeries and stuff like that. So, but those people, like, you know, when they really want to identify as these animals, those people hurt the trans cause. Because then yes. people can, they open the door for people to say, like, well, how ridiculous are we going to get? And so it casts a, a bad shadow on, on the whole on the whole. Yeah, and I don't really have a problem with it, but when it comes to gender neutral, some people have a problem with that too because they're like, you know, well, I don't want to refer to you as they or them. But another thing that people forget is like the, the more militant wing of the trans community, if that's what you want to say or that's a way to term it, um, has also done themselves a disservice by um, trying to re-identify other people you know like cisgender being such a big term now um which just means that you know the way you identify mentally coincides with your biological sex or the way you were born you know so that's cisgender but i've seen a lot of people that are you know cisgender that say i don't want to be cisgender i just want to be a man or i just want to be a woman like i've always been you can be a trans woman you know you can be a trans man but I am just a man or a woman. But there's some trans people that are really dead set on this, you've gotta be cisgender. Well, if you don't want me to call you names other than what you identify as, then don't call me names other than what I identify as is the way a lot of cisgender people see it. You know, so that, that causes a bit of a rift too. Mm -hmm. um, so what, okay. So basically what happened after this you know, Ty says the joke still. Now LGBT is upset again at me. And so we put together this uh, meeting at the LGBT Center um, on Tuesday. And it was Ty, me, Golden Rainbow was there, and four representatives from um, the LGBT Center. 
and initially it was a little bit contentious. People were wondering, you know, whether, whether or not we should use video. We decided to use video. And then after we got through that part and we started introducing ourselves, I think we had a really great conversation at the LGBT Center. Yeah, you? they were great. They didn't know what to expect and I didn't know what to expect because the person that was talking to them was that guy Garrett and he had misrepresented me and hadn't been honest about the way I was even expressing myself online. So you were thrown into having to be defensive from the very beginning because of that. Yeah, but luckily that got killed in the first like five minutes. Because after we got everything figured out with the recording, then uh, one of the group from the LGBT was like, you know, why don't we take a five minute break, go smoke a cigarette. I smoke cigarettes too. So we all went to the same area to smoke cigarettes and they're like, you know, we didn't talk about anything serious there or, you know, get into anything, but we were just smoking and being silly. And then they got to see what I was like a little bit. I got to see what they were like. And then when we came in, it was just a great conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely terrific. Yeah. So is everything resolved? I mean, are we... And so, so the, the, the thing is what, what the LGBT Center didn't understand was uh, the process of, of how comedians, you know, create a joke and that you can't just like sit down, write a joke and then, you know, put it on stage, that there's a process. It could take a day, it could take a week, it could take a month, it could take a year or years, whatever. And so what Ty... Uh, told him was that, hey, the joke's not done yet. This transgender joke isn't done yet. And, you know, but, you know after this conversation, you know, I, I will think about the joke some more and see what I can do with it. Yeah, you and know? I had been planning to work on that joke anyway because it does have to make my point better. Like, right now it doesn't completely make my point. It's a funny joke. It's great, you know. Well, it's because it's a bit. And then, um, but the part I didn't do on Saturday that I regret that I didn't do was I didn't do the part about my good friend Coco, who we've been friends for over 20 years. I didn't do that part. I didn't do the part about how she's always been willing to accept that she's something different and I'm something different and you, you give people that much like you just admit like hey in your world I am something different and that buys you a lot from people in a lot of cases do you think if you'd have done that that the that the Friday night um, critics would not have been so critical no they started to get because um, no, you, you, you call Coco Bernie Max no <laughs> that's not, not Coco oh that's not Coco that's a different, no, a different one Coco's different beautiful one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay, that's yeah. Khadija oh, Khadija <laughs> Khadija looks and like I Bernie Max uh, <laughs> but the other thing I want to tell you though is when it comes to misgendering that's what it is when you uh, uh, you know the the you said the conservative people that wanna call yeah. people by, um, yeah. I guess if you wanna do that, like I don't agree with that, but you can do that. But I will warn you, some of these trans women will really surprise you by beating the shit out of you if you disrespect them in public. And that's something a lot of people really aren't ready for, especially men like straight men because they think that they're gonna push around this sissy because that's the way they see it in their head. And then they get beat. I've seen that happen a couple of times because my friends are beautiful, but they don't put up with a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. That's the other reason I don't buy like the weak trans yeah. transgender person thing is because so many of my friends have had and it's not because they want to. It's because they've been forced to fight, you know, because only in the last couple of years that things get and things are still dangerous for trans people. But only in the last couple of years did it get to this level of dangerous, which isn't as bad as it was years back, you know? We used to get called out in public all the time. Mm -hmm. That's why when they try to tell me, you know, like at the LGBT Center, when they were trying to talk to me sort of like I was new at first, you saw at a point, there was a point where the lady was like, oh yeah, you're not new at all. Like, you know this, you know what we're talking about. And I was like, 100%. Because I used to go th through that with my friends. When I was hanging out with, the trans friends that I'm the closest with, um, we were together 24 seven. 
Like we would do everything together. And when I say 24 seven, I mean like I would sleep at Coco's house. You know, I knew all of her family and I would sleep at her house like three or four nights out of the week. And you know, like we were, so we'd go run our errands together. We'd do everything together. And everywhere, not everywhere we went, there were places that people left us alone, but it, we always knew to be on guard because somebody was at some point gonna say something disrespectful. You know, if we went five places in a day, at least one of those places, someone was going to say or do something disrespectful. And what do you do? Oh, we were just, that's when it goes back to reading. We would read them right back. You know, like, I don't think a lot of people were ready to get bullied yeah. the way we would bully them in public, mm -hmm. you know, because they thought they were going to bully us because they were straight. But, like, at, at the same time, you had to be careful because the way that things worked out at that time is if say mall security came up to deal with it or say the police were called because we were LGBT, we were automatically in the wrong. They're right, you shouldn't be dressed like that. They're right, you shouldn't be gay. Really? Yes, that was 100% the way it was. When you're LGBT, here's another thing people don't know. When you're LGBT, like um, I had a situation where there was a domestic violence situation. It was my first relationship. There's been more than one relationship that I've been in that has turned into that. But like, you know, um, when, I was, when I was first coming out, my first relationship, um, my ex was, you know, trying to get violent with me and the neighbors ended up calling the police. And when the police came, at first they were treating it seriously, and then they realized that we were a gay couple. It wasn't just one guy trying to fight the other guy, it was a gay couple. And then the police were like, yeah, you guys figure this out. Well, so, so let me tell a related story. So back in the early 80s, mid 80s, I was, um, I, I was involved with um, a federal police force. I was one of the, uh, one of the executives. And we had a call one night to the base housing area, mm -hmm. and a couple of our officers responded. I responded because it was a unique situation. And it turns out that, um, that this active duty sailor had married an Asian woman, a Filipino woman, and um, they had never consummated the marriage. And so this night he wanted to consummate the marriage and found out that she was a male. Mm -hmm. And he beat the crap out of her. Mm -hmm. Well, even in the mid 80s, we didn't judge of, you know, why are you dressed like that or anything like that? We uh, we pretty much just said to the guy, you know, that's, don't do that. In, in essence, kind of a summary. I mean, mm -hmm. there was a whole lot more involved. Yeah. But so my question, that, that all led up to a question. So in your experience, in your, in, in your judgment or opinion, in general, is it getting better? I mean, 20 years ago, I, I can remember... No, I had a, a situation when I first came to Las Vegas where I was in a rela I was in a relationship when I got here, and um, the guy that I was with um, went crazy um, because well, really because I caught him in a couple lies, and you know sometimes guys aren't the best at admitting that they're lying or getting caught in lies. I know, and so uh, he started breaking stuff, and you know like tried to like keep me in my kitchen. And so I ended up having to call the police because one, I'm gay and I already know how that plays out. And two, he's white and I have tattoos everywhere and I know how that plays out. So I know what the, the factors are. So I have to deal with this the legal way. Like if I really had my way, I just would have grabbed a frying pan and wore him out and got him out of that place. You know what I mean? But I knew that I couldn't lose my apartment, my dog's there, you know, like there was a lot at stake. You know, I just moved to Las Vegas like everything. So I'm dealing with 
that and I call the police, as soon as the police get there, they just want to take pictures of my tattoos and run me like I've done something wrong. And I was like, um, you're looking at the destruction that he's done to my apartment because he broke this really, it was a really nice um, glass table with really thick glass and like, you know, uh, broke my laptop, like, you know, did a lot of damage to my apartment. The police did not want to pay attention to that. They wanted to check me out. As being like a potential gang member or something. Yeah, like I that. guess so. No, not not because you were gay, but because they thought perhaps you were a gang. Yeah, member. but being yeah. gay made them care even less about the whole situation really? that was going on. Yes, it's it's that part is not getting better. Like when it comes to um, dealing with the police and stuff like that, or at least in my experience, it's not. You know, I mean, like it's That's like I wish it was. On one of my episodes of my podcast, uh, my friend Lisa is on, and she's another one of my friends that, you know, has been around for 20 years now. And um, she talks about that, like, you know, because she's really beautiful. And this was, like, years and years ago, you know. Um, she was in this relationship, and the guy beat her, and he beat her really bad. He already knew what was up, you know. They were together together, so he knew she was trans, and he just beat the crap out of her. And so she, this was in New York, she went to the police, because she looks like a woman, you would never know, she tells their story, they're very sympathetic to her, ma'am is, you know, like trying to help her out as much as they can. Then they get to the point where she actually reveals to them that she's trans, and suddenly they don't want to take a report, they don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's like she's asked to leave. It's like, okay, well, you figure that out. That's so hard for me to understand. I must lead a really sheltered life, because that's, that's in, in today's, current environment with all the education, all the social media, all the attention, all the exposure, you would think that maybe some of those attitudes might diminish a little bit. Well, you also have to remember that my friend Lisa is biracial, so looks black, and I'm brown. So that also could play into it, you know, like maybe um, white gays, cisgender gays get treated a little better, a little bit more. But a lot of people don't even understand that that's an actual thing, like that people of color deal with. like. There's people online that really don't believe that happens, but people of color are usually like, yeah, I've dealt with that on some level in my life. Hmm. Man, I think we could talk like for a few days <laughs> about this, but uh, uh, we could save, it, save some of it. But I think I've I've put Ty through enough uh, emotional BS this week, so um, thank yeah, thank you again for. This is the last thing that uh, this is the last thing I'm going to ask you <laughs> in terms of this issue, and um, well, thank you again for yeah. uh, being a part of Tickle Me Comedy Club's uh, productions, and uh, um, you're great. I appreciate you guys having me. I appreciate the chat, and um, don't ever call me again if a gay organization is involved. Oh, no, you're going to be the first we call. <laughs> no, I'll work for Tickle Me, but if there's a gay organization involved, not this one. Well, I'm Isaac Israel. I yeah. want to thank my whole team, uh, General Manager John Maurice, um, Sammy, Raina, Camille, Nathan, um, JT. Um, Cleo's here as well, and, uh, and most especially... Uh, and your uh, partner... Dylan. And uh, Ty, for making this third episode possible. And I want to echo. Everyone. No, we're not. Good night yeah, yet. I get to say good night. Oh yeah, you say good night. So, and again, it's been it's been great. You did a great job. I look forward to working with you again. Thank um, you. 
And, and for the audience, I, I hope that you've enjoyed what we did tonight. It was kind of a little off what we usually do, but we thought it was important and, and to, to get the perspective and to, to just kind of learn a little bit more. If, if, if you hadn't been exposed, you are a little bit more now. And if you have any questions, get a hold of us, let us know. And with that, I'm Dylan Dillegaff, along with my partner, Isaac Israel, and our guest, Ty Rivera. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night, everyone.